Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Okay, so we're just going to pray, okay, to begin. We've been praying anyway, we're going to pray again. Because <laughs> it's all prayer, all of our communication with the Father. So, um, God, I do, I do. Um, you have given me quite a few things to talk about in a set, set way, uh, but I yield, I, I yield all of anything that I've organised here, and just that uh, I just really speak the things that are on your heart to us today. And uh, God, that's what we want these meetings to be about anyway, that we're just talking about the things you want us to be talking about, even one of the scriptures I'm using. So, um, so Lord, we do, I just, I pray God, uh, hit hearts with the things you want to be hit and anything that's not there or, you know, I've said, God, let that just fall away. That just We just pray that the words and the things that you want to settle into our hearts and our minds, I pray the glory and the grace and the presence of God, just blessing that into people's hearts. And because um, you want life change and we can't do this in our own strength and so we do yield to you in Jesus name amen and uh so that's the thing right like we 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 are spiritual people we're in a spiritual battle there's two kingdoms (laughs) and uh it's not it's not like democrat and republican kingdoms (laughs) I mean two kingdoms there's a kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light and they have fought this battle since Adam (laughs) and um till now and it's the same it's the same battle it's a battle for the hearts and the minds of people. It's the battle for who's Lord. And, um, you know, the kingdom of God itself is known and evidenced by who is Lord. If it's Jesus, then there is the kingdom. It's really that simple. If Jesus is Lord, then there is the kingdom of God. And when it's, So we live under a monarchy, right? Because yes. he's king. Not a monarchy like the English government that we understand the English government to be. And they have kings and queens and secession of, you know, through the generations. We live under the King Jesus, who is the eternal king. And I love the song. They wrote that song, by the way, the second song we sung, um, the one, the one true God, um, because Jesus is our eternal king. And so we do live under a monarchy. And so the way that we decide and make decisions about anything concerning our life, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of our family raising, and the way we get married and do life just generally is according to the God's kingdom, his government, which supersedes anything, anything else that we can think of or live under, or any government that we might vote in, vote out. And I'm going to just actually say this as well. And the Lord taught me this quite a few years ago. Um, you know, in my family, and then in the church, our church, or and this goes for any church, by the way, uh, and then over a city, and then over a nation, the we elect, we elect or vote in like presidents, mayors, city leaders, you know, school board leaders, even in a church. There is an election of a person's heart, right? Now, in the spirit realm, what that means is we get to elect in the spirit realm. Is Jesus going to be Lord or is something from the world going to usurp that? And so what you can see sometimes in a church, and I hate to, you know, I'm not dumping on the church because my heart and passion is the church, but, but there sometimes has been an election for the things of the world that's taken greater place over the, just Jesus being Lord and Jesus occupying that number one highest place in hearts. And so when that's happened in a church, now you have the infiltration of principalities that don't have any place there except that the people sitting in the pews have elected in the heart and opened up that place to have wrong domination. 
So, and it's true over a city. So it's a true over a city. Like when you have principalities operating over a city or a nation, if you have um, principalities operating over a nation, it's because the general, there's been an election and it's been from people's hearts and they have elected who is going to be Lord. And, um, and so I, I find it really funny and I don't know, everybody, God uses so many different ways to grow us and mature us, right? But he, the one thing that he uses for me um, is he will tell me something and I'm like, I, don't under, I mean, I understand that because we have presidents and we elect them, right? Because that's what he said to me. People are electing into place and into office and into leadership with their heart and it's true in the spirit. And so that's why he was showing me about how we can elect um, him or the other kingdom principalities are, are allowed into places when there's the wrong election. So he told me that and I was like, I've never heard anybody say that. And I'm not sure. I've seen it in scripture. Maybe I have, but I hadn't connected it. And so this is, this is one way that he has with me. He's telling me this and I'm cooking dinner. So I'm not even like being like super spiritual. I'm cooking dinner. <laughs> so, you know, stirring pot of whatever I was stirring. Uh, he, he's telling me this because I was just praying. And as soon as he told me, then he said, and you, maybe some people will like this because they know this guy. Then he said, go and look it up and look for John Paul Jackson's words on this. That's a very specific word from the Lord, right? Specific to say this is the election of people's hearts allows principalities in or puts them down or whether it's going to be Jesus' kingdom who reigns, right? To be told that and then to go and go and look it up because he's the man who will confirm it. That's really specific. God wants to be that specific because the Holy Spirit is our teacher and he will teach us anything and everything that we need to do life really well, right? Holy Spirit is the anointing that abides continually in us to teach us everything we need, right? So... So I went and ferret, sure enough, like I, I opened up YouTube, put in John Paul Jackson, didn't even really know who this person was, put it in and the first thing that popped up <laughs> was his message on electing principalities and how we elect them or put them down. And then he's got a book called Casualties of War and it's about that. So that, that week I went and read that book as well. And I want to say that to encourage you so that because God really wants you to be very confident that you hear his voice. And so when he tells you something like, this is how principalities get in and out of places. They get elected in by the collective heart of the people. Also leadership plays a strong role, but leadership is often why the people have elected <laughs> wrong wrong domination. So um, um, whether that's a city or a nation or even in a church, okay? So it's the, it's the, it's the, the collective heart, the collective heart of people who just really want to devote themselves to God. And I find it funny because on the back of that invita worship, that, that invitation of us just being people who will devote, devote and allow him to stir even greater hunger in our heart. I love that because there's, there's just a daily continual moment by moment daily right invitation of his heart to get to know him more to love him more to experience him more to have a deeper relationship with him that invitation to you will never stop and even if we do you know we were praying earlier about the wrong distractions even if we do fill ourselves with all the wrong distractions and get too busy and allow social media to absorb too much time or whatever is absorbing time that even in those moments he's still just there with that invitation to your heart. And it's a split second. Acts chapter 3 says, just repent and then times of refreshing will come from the Lord. Right? It's that moment you catch yourself, repent and right back there in the presence. Times of refreshing will come from the Lord. We've just got to catch ourselves sometimes. So, so it's that election from our heart. But it's not really what I'm talking about today. But um, it is, also does match up with something I did want to pray for right now. 
I don't know where people are at and I don't know, you know, how, how people contact you or a little bit, of, little bit of window into my week is I have people daily just message me through social media and, I, and, and if I've missed some of your messages, I do apologise. Um, but it, but I, a girl this week from California just messaging and um, I don't know what to do. She's calling me Pastor Romy. I don't even like to be called that, right? Just call me Romy. Um, um, but um, she, Pastor Romy, uh, I've, I've got anxiety. How do I deal with this? And my first question straight back to this person was, are you in a church and are, is the church meeting? And because um, and, I knew I knew if she is and it's not meeting, that's why <laughs> this has crept in. And so I just said to her, uh, she just answered back saying, yeah, I am. And no, they're not. They're not meeting. We've had Zoom and even that's been really bad and, and um, hasn't been consistent. I've, I've met with no one my husband's deployed. So she's fully alone, fully isolated and even her own church aren't meeting her own leaders won't they won't pray together they won't do worship so I just said to her look grab a neighbor (laughs) grab anyone who will and just sit with coffee and have some bible time share what God's telling you and she can whoever you're with like have them share back with you because it's the engagement with heart that's gonna um, stop put a stop immediately to her the anxiety that she was struggling with because here's the thing is anxiety is from the devil so we medicate it today more than 90% of cases of depression and, and anxiety, and this is, by the way, secular, non-believing, like unbelieving scientists who are psychiatrists and psychologists will s- agree 90% of anxiety and depression originates in people's hearts and minds. They won't limit their thinking. They won't stop that negative train of thought that just gets down deep in a person that causes then problems in their heart. And so... Um, the word, the word for anxiety is marima, marina, marimna. <laughs> I butchered Greek <laughs> all the time, and uh, and I don't care. <laughs> so, but I love to, I love to um, poke around in it because it's very, it's very helpful to up, unlock a lot more of the word. So what the word means is a tearing apart of the internal world and a fracturing of your personality. But we're supposed to be whole. In Jesus Christ, we're supposed to walk with such wholeness and be so. Um, um, even the word integrity comes from the word integer, meaning one, whole. And if we walk allowing the Spirit of God to just continually touch and change us from the Word of God, which is truth, come on the inside, we come into this place of real wholeness with the Lord, right? And so all of that stuff, all of the worry, all of the concerns, all of the fear is completely pushed out of our lives because we've just come into this place of incredible alignment with the Lord. And so that's, that's the opposite of anxiety, right? And so um, I'm not going to do an altar call for this because I don't want people sticking up their hand. But we're going to bow our heads right now. We're going to pray about this because I'm also praying for my friend who's in California and anybody else who has just had thoughts that are causing um, dis, like a destabling internal tearing apart of your anxiety, right? The word is anxiety, but the Greek word actually means a tearing apart of the inside the internal world so we're going to pray pray that wholeness comes all right so close your head clo- close your heads bow your eyes <laughs> close your heads <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um, anyway thank you jesus I, I pray here right now for anybody 
anybody with any kind of stirring of anxieties because it's a wrong stirring, right? We're praying for the right stirring of full devotion. But the anxiety is a wrong, it's a fear. It's fear-based, it's worry-based, concerns of the world, wrong concerns of the world. And even 1 Peter, um, is it... um, uh, anyway, in 1 Peter chapter 2 or chapter 5, it is the um, cast all your cares or cast all your anxieties or cast all your fears, depending on the version you're reading, cast all your fears on the Lord, right? So unburden yourself right now. If this is your world right now, unburden yourself and let that stuff go and repent even of owning wrong fear and wrong thoughts. Repent of that. And God, I pray on the back of that that you would really heal that you would heal, that you would fill that place, that times of refreshing would come from you right now, Father, that you would really sit and and rest on those people, especially anybody in this room right now who have had those um, the unsettling tearing of the internal world. God, heal it and bring your peace, the kingdom of God, peace, which is the wholeness of Christ, the wholeness and the oneness that you want us to walk with. In Jesus' mighty name. And God, also now we do pray for my friend in California and your church just around America because where people are not meeting, where the church is not meeting, there is an isolation and a loneliness that the enemy has designed and pushing into people. And I pray, wake up your people in the churches that have been sat down and isolated and been sat uh, you know, apart from one another. And I pray that there would be a coming together. I pray that people would again value the coming together and re- understanding that when we do, you come and you make yourself at home right in the middle of us and you you said, we're two or more gathered there. I am. There is the church. And so we pray, God, that there would be a coming together, that the people would gather to worship, to pray, um, to, like we are in a house here this morning. I pray, Father, for an absolute coming together of your church and that there would be a realisation that to listen to the government to say don't meet is wrong in Jesus' mighty name because communion and the commune of the saints and then communion with you trumps anything, anything the enemy can send in Jesus' mighty name. I just pray for healing for Christians in this nation who are suffering that right now Um, and that their eyes would be open to see the the cause so that they can make the change necessary. Amen. 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 Okay. Um, Now now I've got to go. What do I want to talk about? Jesus. I am going to read this. And I love the Lean Back song. It's the lean back song. <laughs> Sorry, uh, my head. I make like silly animations and jokes about things that I really shouldn't sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I need a third hand. That'd be like bow your head, <laughs> bow, bow your bow your bow your eyes. And use it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. See more jokes, and they're like like provoking me. It's not hard. <laughs> I get so off track. Um. Actually, I won't read all of that scripture because there's a lot of other scripture I want to read right now. So, But I will just talk to you about this story. So um, Mary and Martha, Jesus goes to their house. And now when Jesus turns up, there's a party because there's a lot of people that travel with Jesus, isn't there? He's got 12 disciples and then usually quite a few more other people that are just part of the party um, that would travel with him. And um, so if he's turning up at your house, you legitimately might be feeding at least 13 people and your own family, but then some more usually on top of that. So it could be double. So Martha is in the kitchen 
Martha is busy because she's got, oh my gosh, all these people are in my house right now. Internal world is upside down and twisted. Anxiety. <laughs> and um, she's so angry at her sister. You know this story, right? So I'm going to try and do it real quick. She's so angry at her sister that she goes to Jesus, tell my sister to help me, Jesus, because I'm right. And she's wrong. She's got to help me. She should be fretting. She should be striving. She should be cooking. She should be doing all the work that I'm doing like me because I'm right and she's wrong. <laughs> really what it comes down to is that was self-righteousness, wasn't it? Around all of her busy doing, a lot of self-righteousness around the busy doing. And Jesus goes, Martha, Martha, only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what it is that won't be taken away from her. Is Mary chose the better thing, which was leaning back, like the song, leaning back and she was sitting at the feet of Jesus and she knew the most valuable thing. She knew that if dinner was later or even the next day, <laughs> it didn't matter because the king, uh, eternal king Jesus was in the lounge room and she was not going to go off into the kitchen busy bustling trying to feed the party. She valued the one right thing which was, and I'm not saying don't eat, I'm not saying don't be, be prepared, right? But I am saying value the right thing because that will not be taken away from you like it was not taken away from Mary. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and she just leaned back because she wanted to be with the one who she knew was, knew was the eternal king already. Martha didn't quite get that yet. Martha thought that there was some importance in the busyness Martha thought there was some importance in the bustling, in the preparing of the foods and had a bit of wrong identity in that. Mary goes, that's not identity. I'm going to get identity from this one and I'm going to just sit at his feet again and again and again. I'm going to lean back in the arms of the one, like this song. I'm going to lean back in his arms and I'm going to learn who I am through who knowing him. And that's the place all of us have got to really learn to be. And that's what I'm talking about with Jesus this morning. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, the scriptures that I have. Um, um, I don't, John is my favorite book of the Bible. And I, you know, not, you know, that's not a bad thing to have a favorite book of the Bible. But, I, you know, I just like, uh, I, I think I, the reason I like it so much is because it's, um, of all the disciples, he lived to be about 90 years old. Um, and wrote his own gospel, was written like really late in his lifetime. All of the other apostles, the 12, 11, had, had died and they'd been, it was decades later. And um, from the Ephesus church, which is, if you can even read about the churches, right, the Ephesus church was the one that was really healthy, didn't get correction. It was well done. And, and you're this good because you have this revelation to the Ephesus church. Right, And so John wrote from Ephesus, the book of John, or at least in relationship with the people from Ephesus. And um, John, you know, I've heard it preached and sadly, I've heard it preached by people who I think just missed this because John was talked about and, and I've got, I wrote down here in John chapter um, 13, verse 25 and then verse 23 as well and in John 19, 26, in John 20 and verse 2 and in 21 verse 7. And there might be more. But in those verses, that's already a lot, right? In those verses, he refers to himself as the one who Jesus loved, <clears throat> right? <laughs> Can you imagine being one of the other disciples going, who does he think he is? <laughs> Jesus loves me too. <laughs> and, and I've heard it preached that way. And that's a wrong way to look at it. Because John was saying that because he had a really deep revelation 
of that love. He had a really deep revelation because he was one who also did lean back because in um, John 13, 25, he is resting against the breast, like the song, leaning against Jesus' chest, saying, who is the one that is going to uh, betray you, Jesus? Because Jesus had just said someone. John is the one leaning, you know, upon, like I, it'd be weird if we have like a potluck, we have a potluck, potluck tonight, right? If we're sitting around leaning on each other's breasts, that would be a bit weird. Um, and I'm okay to say that. I'm not sure. I don't recommend that as um, a church gathering thing to do. Um, but Jesus did it. And John was, but no one else but John did it. Only John did it. Or at least that's what we read in scripture. And John, John just knew that there was a safe place there. John, so John, I'll cry now because John is, John's there leaning on the one that he loves, leaning back onto him, leaning. So he's actually close enough to feel the heartbeat and get an embrace from the king of heaven who's in flesh, right, incarnation. But the king of heaven is there and he's leaning against this man. He already knew, holds the whole universe in his hands, but it was also right there in the lounge room. And so I find it really a fascinating thing because it wasn't out of ego that John refers to himself, that I'm the disciple that um, Jesus loved. He was saying that because he just had an incredible revelation of the Father's love. Like of all the people, he's who was leaning back against his chest. And I don't know if that was like a socially acceptable thing to do or not. I think it maybe wasn't. <laughs> I was going to get a cuddle from this person. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I haven't read, maybe I could find that out and tell you next week. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's not right now. But he was not one to really care about, Jesus was not one to really care about social boundaries, was he? He broke them all. So, so fearlessly. Anyway, I'm going to read a few scriptures and it's from all of them are from John. And what it, this is about is um, I just gave you the story of Mary and Martha. And we're all, we all choose whether we're going to be a Mary or a Martha. We all get to choose whether we'll be the disciple who will lean back on the chest of Jesus like John did. We, we choose that every single day. We not only choose that every single day, we can choose that in the morning and have such a peaceful lean back moment, devotion time, prayer with the Lord, and in the afternoon be screaming at the kids. <laughs> All right? And so what I'm saying is we, we choose this, just this moment by moment choosing and all of us do this every single day. And there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation, but, but we are asked to just catch ourselves. We are asked to be people who understand what it means to be someone who's just filled with the Holy Spirit and live with the peace of God all the time. So last week I was talking about the humility of the Lord and I talked about how he emptied himself of his God attributes to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For us, the emptying is not God-like attributes because we don't have them <laughs> until we empty ourselves. For us, the emptying is, uh, uh, Philippians 2 verse 3, is all of the vain conceits and the selfish ambitions. When we just choose to empty that, empty ourselves of that stuff, then we can be filled up with the Holy Spirit. So we've really got to drop our striving efforts at self-sufficiency, self-getting uh, for myself, making a way for myself and batting my, you know, getting through life like, yeah, I'm a fighter, I'll make my way. I'm not saying don't make a way, but there's a way to do it that's just full of the Holy Spirit and really God-honouring. And there's a way to do it where there's this self-satisfying, self-ambition, self-agenda, choice after choice to fill me, 
right? And so the difference is I don't want to be filled with me. I don't want to be filled with Romy. I really want to be filled with Christ Jesus. I really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he came as a man. Jesus came as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. So we would be people who understand and and, and learn because the invitation for us is the same. We'd be so empty of self. Holy Spirit could be so fill us so that we're transformed. So we benefit, right? But, but much greater is the benefit of all the people that we come in contact with, whether they're believers or not. Because if they're believers, then we just get to provoke one another greater faith. If they're not believers, then they get to experience kingdom of heaven through your life, right? And this is what it's about, to be really filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm going to start reading John from John chapter 4, verse 34. A lot of you will know some of these verses, and so it's, I know it's nothing new, but it's a good reminder, right? So John, John chapter 4. Verse 32, and now this is the conversation where Jesus is really hungry and he's left at the well. Disciples go off to go get food. He ministers to a woman. Disciples come back with food and he goes, oh, I'm not hungry. <laughs> and it would have been a few hours, by the way. <laughs> it's like they didn't have like instant drive through McDonald's. <laughs> they have to go. They had to walk into the town, get the food, walk back out of the town and feed someone who was already hungry. <laughs> so in the natural, he would have just been more hungry doesn't go away but Jesus said it did go away because in verse 34 he said my food is to do the one the will of the one who sent me to finish his work my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work Um, our food is the same our spiritual food we talk we've been talking about appetites even last week someone you gave a word about your palate cleansing, and we were like, we were joking because there's people here as chefs. We're joking about a good hamburger and a bad hamburger. If you get used to bad hamburgers and really bad ketchup full of chemicals, like you get used to that, and it and it changes your um, appetite, and you think that's all you want until you then go have a really good hamburger and go, oh, what have I been missing all my life? But sometimes between the really bad cheap hamburger full of chemicals and processed ingredients versus the really good hamburger, there needs to be like a palate cleanse in the middle, remember? It was a good word, but it's really true of our spirit as well. There needs to be a spirit cleanse so that we understand what is good food and what we allow into our heart and into our thinking and our affections affects everything we do. And if we get used to bad food, if we get used to bad um, uh, feeding ourselves on all of the things that we can feed ourselves on that we know are pulling us away from God. And sometimes it's just a needed distraction because you're just tired. But God still asks us to be really aware of that stuff so that we're not really pulled away from him. He wants to own all of our affections. And he said that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And um, in John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus said that he did. He said, I have done everything to the Father because he's praying. It's the Gethsemane prayer. I have done everything you sent me here to do. And that's the mark of success. He gave, that's the mark of success that we can over all of our lives understand where to live with. 
Um, and it's not like if we miss it, we're going to be in heaven and God's going to go, you missed it, you blew it. He's, he's not, this is not, this, people do this. <laughs> God does not do that, right? But if the heart, if our heart is just continually going to be ready and engaging with him and wanting him, desiring him, our affections belong to him, then he is going to make sure we get there. He is going to make sure his plan through our life and his plan in us and through us is going to be um, complete. And so, and it is a decision of our of our heart. It is a decision of our will because our you can't you don't separate the mind and the will and the thinking and the heart. All of these things they make a person. You know, science would try and separate that, but no, they make a person. My mind, my brain, my heart, my thinking, even my gut. This is all connected, right? It makes the personality of who I am defines who I am. And every single one of us every day have the choice to define. Uh, sorry, uh, what is uh, the choice to decide? What goes in and what comes out, what feeds and what nurtures and what is not nurturing, if I'm feeding on that, it affects all of our life. And Jesus said, my food to feed, what feeds me, what feeds me and satiates me is to do God's will and to finish his work. Living in the will of God is what will feed you like nothing else. Nothing else on the planet will feed you like just being someone who goes, oh, oh, I, I can run at this race now because I know what I've been put here to do. God so wants this for people and he will make sure if your heart wants it, he will make sure that your heart knows what direction you should be running. He will make sure that you know his will, if that is your heart. Even the word, we talk about this all the time, the word for prayer, the most frequently used Greek word for prayer in the Greek in the New Testament is exchange. I exchange my will for his will. I lay down my will to pick up his. I exchange my wishes so that I can take up his wishes and live according to his heart for everything in my life, right? It's the most common word that they use for prayer in the Greek. And, um, and so uh, that's why some people avoid prayer. It's hard. And so if you are sometimes uh, the withering of your flesh, there's a guy called E.M. Bounds, and he's, I think he's been in heaven for over 100 years already, but he's got a great lot of books on prayer if you're really interested. E.M. Bounds, you know, it's just E.M.Bounds. He's got a great lot of books on prayer. There's maybe six of them, and they just will cut your heart for the, in the right way for prayer. But he said um, there is an aversion to prayer. I'm paraphrasing. There's an aversion to prayer because of the withering of a flesh that takes place in the place of prayer. And he's talking to um, people who minister in pulpits, by the way. And so he said in the ministry, there is an aversion to prayer because of the withering that takes place of the soul, the flesh, the things that are not of God. Because that's what prayer does. In the exchange, I am laying down myself. I am laying aside the things that I think... And even if they're good ideas, right, they can be great ideas. I can come up with a million great ideas because we're smart, we're smart people, right? God made us smart. We are smart people. So it's not a bad thing to be smart and it's not a bad thing to be able, well able to do things well, right? But it is we have the invitation to lay it aside and live like last week's to live with the opinion of heaven and live at the instruction of heaven and live with the will of God being the thing that direct us so that we really are people who can say like Jesus did in Philippians 2 oh sorry Paul wrote Philippians 2 about Jesus um, it's the it's the laying aside Jesus laid himself aside and he decided to not have any um, self-direction 
or any self-choosing or originating of his own ideas. He lived fully in the will of the Holy Spirit. He lived fully directed. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says that he searches the deep things of the Father and makes them known to us. Right? So we're filled with the Holy Spirit who is also searching the deep things of the Holy Spirit, uh, God, the Father in heaven, to make known to us what we need to do for our own personal lives. And so it's not like in the laying down of ourselves that we do without. When we lay ourselves down and we recognize then there's an even greater exchange and we just get more of him in our life. That's, so we think, I'm giving up my will because that's what prayer means. Give up my wishes and my will and exchange that for his. The moment we go, if we start going, that's a laying down, I don't know, that's a big cost. What we have not recognised then is the, the greater, greater exchanges, more of God into my life, more of relationship into me, more intimacy, more deeper relationship, more revelation, more knowing him and he'll call me his friend. Don't we want that? Oh, I just want that. Okay, just on that, Jesus lay aside and only did this. John 5, verse 30. Oh, actually 19. I'm going to read 19 first. John 5, 19. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. Uh, then verse 30, it's kind of like a, a repeat, right? My, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. And so Jesus is saying the son can do nothing by himself. That was his own self-choosing. It wasn't that he couldn't. He chose not to. Right? He, he, he decided to not be a self-initiator and not run ahead with his own agenda and run ahead with his own plans. He decided to live fully yielded to the will of the Father in everything that he did. So when he's saying, I can do nothing, the Son can do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. So that is the, is the, is the us choosing to be people who even when we're uh, interacting with people, Wherever we might interact people, we, like at work or in supermarkets or at schools or out in the street. I, for me, it's my street and, and my neighbourhood and my local supermarkets as a couple and because it's just a great place. There's just a ton of non- non-believers there, right? <laughs> so it's great to be there and talk to people and love them. Um, and, but you can, for the people that you're interacting with, get something from heaven for them by in your, in your heart or in your thinking – just as you're listening to them, start going, what do you want to show me about this person, Father? What would you say to them? And uh, an example is there's this guy, uh, there's a guy, he lives like a block away from us and I go walking around my neighbourhood all the time. Well, he's, he's, found, he's, he's quite a lonely man and it's very sad, but he's found that um, if he, he can bike ride around the times when he knows I walk and he starts bike riding with me, <laughs> And so I'm actually really okay with that a lot of the time. But sometimes I'm like, no, dude, I'm here to spend time with Jesus, not you. Because <laughs> he, he like I'm walk, I walked for an hour and a half one day and he bike rode next to me almost the whole time. And he's like, ah, 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 talking away. I'm like, 
he won't stop talking. And uh, and so I'm okay because like, I really want to – I think like your ability to really listen to someone and listen to their stories and listen to what they want to talk to really does communicate love to them. So I'm wanting to do that. I'm wanting to value that, right? And then – but until he goes, oh, that's a willing listener and now he just keeps catching me. <laughs> so, so this week – so this week – I got one lap done and then I saw him. <laughs> and I, inside, I was like, I stopped praying in tongues. And I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> literally, literally. And the God goes, God goes, nah, this is what this is for right now. So I did two more laps with him. And I just, for the full one of the laps, fully, it's, I don't know, 15 minutes a lap. And he just talked and talked and talked about nothing necessarily life-changing for him or me or just stories right so and we and we stopped and talked to other neighbors on the way in the and still great so I met one neighbor uh, but um anyway I was I was getting done with the lap I've already shared the gospel with him he already knows why I walk is to pray <laughs> so and uh so I get done with one lap and I'm like maybe he'll keep going and no uh, he kept going he, he turned with me kept going with, with me <laughs> so and this time I'm like, oh Jesus, I'm not, I'm not going to let him talk now. <laughs> and, so, and so for the um, for the next full lap, I just kept pounding him. Jesus just loves you, and uh, he'd redirect. Oh, but this person over here, this other, and just keep distracting to other conversations. And I just, so I just keep bringing it back because he's talking about a lonely person up on another street. And I'm like, you know what makes people lonely? COVID right now. Are you, are you lonely? <laughs> like, however I could bring it back. <laughs> like, I was, I was, I was nice. I was really nice. Like, I'm making jokes and a bit sarcastic right now, but I was really, I was really nice and graceful because I actually really love the guy. So it's not hard, but um, it's funny to be retelling the story. And, um, Anyway, so um, finally we get second laps done and I'm actually uh, – it had taken so much time because we stopped and talked to some neighbours. I had other things, so I had to go into my house. So I invited him on Friday night to church and he'd been so open and listening uh, – he'd been so open talking and then even listening to some of the stuff I had to say to church about church. And then I finally invited him tonight – that night is at our house. And he, and he flipped out. No, no, no. I don't know what was behind the no, and I don't have to, but I do know that we did really get some very good God conversations in about the love of God for him. And, and by the way, sometimes don't read into the no because we can read negative things into the no, and, and that's, that's wrong because we'll be judging after the flesh, the eyes, what I'm seeing and hearing with my flesh. Instead, I just went, all right, God, you take that. Because um, um, he's now finding me when I go walking to pray and he knows what I'm doing. So he's literally coming with me as I'm praying. So I pray even over him as we just walk in and, um, and he keeps doing it. So there is clearly some kind of invitation in his heart to God somehow. And um, I did think this. Some people, and this is really sad, some people go... Um, the church walls will fall in on me or the roof will cave in. Because that's like that, you know, people, you've heard that, right? If, if I ever go darken the door of a church, the building will fall, collapse. Those kinds of bits of rhetoric. It's actually such a sad and horrible bit of rhetoric to be told. Because what it is is putting shame on the person who's always welcome into the building. And by the way, no building has ever fallen down because someone with sin in their life has walked in, right? So it's absolutely false piece of rhetoric. But it's really what some people think. They're just not worthy. They're not worthy. I'm not good enough. And um, 
I just find the more we can allow the Holy Spirit to be who he wants to be in us, which is really to co-opt our whole life so that his love can blow through us, in us, change us, transform us, but then touch and change the person that we're interacting with. Um, the love between people is something that becomes really tangible. Even, even in the non-science world, they talk about this. They talk about um, being able to feel, like there's a gut feel, a gut level feeling, a recognition of whether the person you're interacting with is open or closed or authentic or not authentic or whether you're really loved and invited into a relationship with the person. There's a very, there's a very gut level feel that it, non-believers are very aware of as much as, as much as we are and talk about it in church and being a spiritual thing. It's, it's a very true thing. And so... Um, when Jesus is saying, I can do nothing by myself. I can only do what I see the Father doing and say what the Father is saying. There's an invitation for us to live the same way so that when we are walking around our street and interacting with people, the guy on the bike, I can have the Father's words. I can see over this man things that Holy Spirit wants me to see so I can speak to so that he can get free. And God wants us to be well-able ministers of the gospel just the same way Jesus was. And so he does make available for us. Do you know when Jesus said to Nicodemus, uh, no, not Nicodemus, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, I got Nicodemus is Pharisee, Nathaniel, John chapter 2, Nicodemus is 3, John 3. Nathaniel was um, under the tree and one of the other disciples goes, you've got to come and meet the saviour. He jumps up and goes to Jesus somewhere else, out of view, clearly out of view, because in the story, Jesus goes, I saw you under the tree. And Nathaniel goes, oh my goodness, you must be God. How would you know that? Jesus knew that because he saw in the spirit, because he had a word of knowledge or some kind of prophetic revelation receiving that Nathaniel was sitting under a tree and a man, Nathaniel was about to come walk to him and meet him, right? This works the same way in our lives exactly the same way we're supposed to understand put yourself in these scriptures and so when you hear the father saying things or when you see the father showing you things it is because he's making something available either for you or for someone else an example is some of you know this example um I was just on my couch one day I don't even know what I was doing it was the middle of day 12 o'clock at lunch and and um God goes get up off your couch go stand at the foot of your driveway because Shajina this girl that we know and love, she's beautiful, is going to come out of her house and walk down past your house. And, and in my mind, in my flesh, physical person, okay, this is a 12-year-old girl, 13-year-old girl. She should be at school in the middle of the week, middle of the day. She wouldn't even be at home. I got up off the couch and stood on the front driveway anyway and just stood there for a while, you know, looking busy, kicking rocks, texting I should be here right now. I have a reason to be here. (laughs) I didn't other than I was waiting for this girl to come out of her house and walk down past me in the middle of the day when she should be at school. So I stood there for a few minutes going, did I see right? Did I hear you right? You, I don't even know her name, but, you know, I'm standing here. Anyway, this little girl, sure enough, comes walking out of her front door and down past my street. There's not even, unless she's going for a walk around our neighbourhood, there'd be no reason to do that because it's like a dead end on the, on the one end that she was walking to. She comes walking down the street and sure enough, I just go, hi, <laughs> are you Shajina? <laughs> and so, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and that just made, that started a really beautiful relationship with this little girl. She gave her life to Jesus and then a lot of other young people did after it. Now, and, and I'm saying that because the Holy Spirit literally on my couch just goes, get up off your couch 
Go stand on the front driveway. Shajina's going to come out of her house and walk down past you. Talk to her. Right? It's not hard. Heaven wants to do this all the time. Father's heart wants to do this all the time and make incredible word. That's a word of knowledge, right? He wants to make incredible words of knowledge available all the time that we'd be people who know what it is to just grab revelation. Because Jesus, when Jesus said, by myself I can do nothing, I didn't do that that day. I didn't know the little girl's name. I didn't know that she was going to be home from school. I didn't know that she was going to come walking down my house, past my house on the street. I didn't know any of that. So Jesus, by myself, I can do nothing. And that's really us. By ourselves, we can do nothing. But, but we can do everything that the Father is showing us in the Spirit and speaking to us in the Spirit. We've got to be people who will willingly do everything that he is saying in the Spirit, speak it out. Anything that he's saying, ask him what it is. Ask him for revelation so you can clearly then say what you're, see what you're saying. Say what you're saying. Get that right, right? <laughs> See, talk about talk about <laughs> what you're seeing in the spirit because you just don't know what's on the backside of it that's going to help someone else, some kind of revelation, some kind of um, – um, for this girl it was salvation and it meant salvation of almost 150 other young people. And if I had got that word of knowledge and ignored it, what would have happened to these 150 young people? God might have still used someone else, no big deal, Right? But so much is on the so much is on the um, other side of us just obeying the Lord, catching revelation, just going. Oh, I heard you say this. I'm just going to go do it, even if I look silly for ten minutes standing at the bottom of our driveway, looking like, <laughs> what is it? You know, whatever that looked like that day. Um, I'm going to read. I'm going to read John chapter six, verse sixty-three. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit. I'm going to read it again and I'm going to make it sound like the amplified. (laughs) The flesh, which is all of the decisions and ambitions of my will and all of my carnal thinking, counts for nothing. I just just amplified that. (laughs) I'm such a geek. Sorry, people. (laughs) That's a joke because the amplified Bible version is talked about as the loud version, extra wordy version, and I did it. I better... Bring that back. <laughs> the flesh, decision, all of the flesh decisions. So the flesh counts for nothing. What's the flesh? It's my own ideas. The flesh are my leaning on myself, my leaning on my own intuition, my leaning on my, like flesh intuition versus Holy Spirit discernment. The leaning of my own abilities, my self-dependence. The flesh counts for nothing. My own agendas count for nothing. The words, Jesus, the words I have spoken, the words Jesus, right, spoke, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Holy Spirit. Our invitation is to be people who will also say the flesh counts for nothing. I will pursue the Holy Spirit. I will pursue his words. I will pursue what he is wanting to say to me and and then to anybody else that comes into my world. That is the same invitation we have, just so that then we can stand here confidently. We can say... The words I, Romy, or your own name, right? I, Romy, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Holy Spirit. It's even in Luke 4, isn't it? Jesus said that um, I am, oh, I better look it up. (laughs) Just did that split second. Look it up. You're going to say it wrong. And that's okay, people. I will end with this, actually. Oh, heavy Bible. I should get a smaller one, shouldn't I, for these moments? So, so Luke, in Luke 4, Jesus gets up in front of um, 
the whole of a synagogue and prophetically says something about himself in the synagogue moment about that Isaiah had prophesied. He's, he's, he's literally declaring in the synagogue, I'm the answer to this prophecy, right? So Luke 4 from verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now, now, some people will read that and not realise you have got to put yourself in that verse now too because the purpose of him coming was that um, he, would, he would, first of all, show us how he'd demonstrate it. Then he would die and his bloodshed purifies us. And then his resurrection means that we're also raised with him. So we're now new creation in him. And the things that he said and did now, because he demonstrated them, we're supposed to go do. Okay, so the spirit of the Lord is on who? Say it. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Say it again. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So he's anointed every single person here to be proclaimers of the good news to the poor. It doesn't mean necessarily poverty people. Poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is way worse than poor. Poor bank account has nothing in comparison to being poor in spirit when you're disconnected and away from the Lord. It doesn't matter about a person's financial status. right? Poor in spirit, disconnected and away from the Lord. We have a job to do and it is to be preachers and proclaimers of the word of God to everybody disconnected from the Holy Spirit, everybody disconnected and away from the Lord. That's our job. Every single one of us is make disciples, is be proclaimers, proclaimers, be preachers of the word of God. No matter what it looks like, it doesn't. you don't have to sound like an evangelist, right? You, just by loving, I just loved this girl on my street, the 12-year-old. I just loved her. And it, it meant for the next few years, um, I just spent just investing into this little girl's life. And just... I, Simply, it wasn't hard. Simply loving a neighbor. She just lives up the street and, and God wrecked a whole neighborhood over it in a, in a good way. I mean, with like a real revival happened in our neighborhood. Anyway, so um, he has sent me, this is verse 18 still. He has sent me, that's you. God has sent you now to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is every single one of our jobs. We are filled with the Holy Spirit and called and anointed and commissioned to go do this. Every single one of us. Just to really live lives like Jesus did. So that then we can say... um, the, the verse that I read earlier, got to find it here. From John 6.38, I have not come to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. The fulfillment of, of God's life through us is that his will would just be fulfilled through us. And um, now here's the thing is, his, it's not a hard thing. His promise is that we are fully empowered to do it. There's a full empowerment from the Holy Spirit to do it. So I'm going to end and I'm going to just pray again over what I saw in the Spirit as we were worshipping, which was the, like the finger of God in our meeting, in our, the midst of our meeting, stirring up this place. And there was gold like this gold glory that was available for us to go, yes, 
I'm in. Yes, I'm going to live fully devoted. I'm going to live and I'm going to allow this hunger, hunger in me to be stirred up for the things of God. And I'm not going to fill my appetites with the wrong things that take me away from God. I'm going to be very intentional about giving my attention and my affections to him. Amen. So we're going to pray. So bow your heads. I got it right. <laughs> bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you, Father. I can still see it, actually. So thank you, Father. Thank you. I do pray. Father, stir it up. Stir it up in us. Stir it up in us. I pray hunger. I pray devotion. Stir it up, God. Stir it up, God. Stir it up, God. I pray, God, we would not take a single moment with you for granted. Stir in us, Father. Stir in us everything you want to do. Stir dreams that are your dreams. Stir things that we've sat down or put on a shelf a long time ago that were you and we, for whatever reason, put it down. Stir up those things in us, God. Stir up your heart. Stir up your purposes. Stir up your will. Those things. um, Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I do pray then also into that word from last week about like a a palate cleansing that we'd be people who really would repent of allowing wrong things, wrong appetite, the appetite to be filled with the wrong things. Because if we've filled an appetite with the wrong thing, we forget the real food, which is you and doing your will. And so I just pray for that to be righted in us, Father, that we'd be righted in you and made really whole in you and that our appetites would be filled and satisfied only with you, that we'd hunger and thirst for your righteousness alone, that we'd only be hungering for that, Father, that we'd be so hungering for that, the things that the enemy would try and throw our way to distract us would so pale in comparison and fall off our lives and fall away from our lives because we are hungry and thirsting after you, after righteousness, after the truth, after relationship with you. You are the greatest thing in our life you are the greatest thing in our life so we do just give our lives to this to fulfilling your will through our lives and fulfilling your will here on the earth that your purposes are known and made known to us and fulfilled through our lives and even as you said of David that he was a man who was your friend and he you were able to do everything you wanted to do through his life we want that for our lives that we'd be called your friend the same way David was because you were able to fulfill all of your plans through, through our hearts. We welcome this, God. Yeah. Amen. 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 So he's good. He is so good. He is so good. Let him be good to you. Let him. Like learn to be receivers. We've got to receive. We, we, we can only receive the kingdom. We receive it, something given, like children. He said that it's children who will be like a child, otherwise you can't even receive the kingdom. Just Kids just receive. So receive his goodness. Receive his love. Receive his um, power. Even if you're praying for someone on the street, it's not even in how you pray. It's in how you just go, you're here, so do what you want to do. And let, let get yourself out of the way so he can minister through you. Like all of the striving is removed. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.